Well, good morning. Welcome back to your living rooms. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. This morning, our text comes from 1 John 3, and it's verses 1 to 10. I'm reading from the common English version, or contemporary English version, sorry. Think how much the Father loves us. He loves us so much that he lets us be called his children, as we truly are. But since the people of the world did not know who Christ is, they did not know who we are. They don't know who we are. My dear friends, we are already God's children, though what we will be hasn't yet been seen. But we do know that when Christ returns, we will be like him, because we will see him as he truly is. This hope makes us keep ourselves holy, just as Christ is holy. Everyone who, breaks sin, breaks, everyone who sins breaks God's law, because sin is the same as breaking God's law. You know that Christ came to take away sins. He isn't sinful, and people who stay one in their hearts with him won't keep on sinning. If they do keep on sinning, they don't know Christ, and they have never seen him. Children, don't be fooled. Anyone who does right is good, just, as Christ, just like Christ himself. Anyone who keeps on sinning belongs to the devil. He has sinned since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy all that he has done. God's children cannot keep on being sinful. His life-giving power lives in them, and he makes them his children, so that they cannot keep on sinning. You can tell God's children from the devil's children, because those who belong to the devil refuse to do right or to love each other. It's hard to imagine a good story without the theme of love in it, right? Even the stories of tragedy and pain and suffering, there always seems to be a theme of love. Even the epic story, the greatest story of all time, Star Wars, right? With the epic battle between the light side of the force and the dark side of the force, theme of love runs through it. Now, that's a creepy sibling kind of love, but love does run through it. And love runs through the story of our people, of God's people, God's children. From the beginning of Genesis right through to Revelations. The very end, at the very beginning, the story of God creating to love and at the very end, a wedding feast. And I believe that we're meant for love and that love is meant for us and that love flows all around us in the presence of God. And we believe that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. 1 John 4, 8 says, But anyone that does not love does not know God, because God is love. And how did God love us? How does God love us? He gave his life up for us. He suffered for us. He covered our guilt and our shame. And I wonder this morning, is that how we love each other? Is that how we love the world? I'm just going to go through each verse or a couple verses and make some comments on them this morning. So we're starting with 1 John 3.1 from the King James Version. For those of you that don't understand King James, I'm sorry. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. If I were to translate for those of you that struggle with the King James, I would paraphrase it this way. Do you see the kind of love that God has given us? A present of outrageous love, of grace and forgiveness. The love of a good father for his children. This is 
really beautiful language here. It's adoption language. And it reminds us that it is God who does the choosing, not us. Fortunately or unfortunately, children don't get to choose their parents. Recently, I had a conflict with with a guest at our warming center. I was not in the best state of mind, and it was the end of the night, and the person had been in the washroom for probably an hour. I was trying to get them out. And things got a little heated, and when they finally came out of the bathroom, they said to me, you wouldn't treat me this way if you knew who my father was. And it was true. I didn't know who her father was. And, and maybe I would have changed my tone if I did know who they were. And this is similar to that the world doesn't recognize us as the children of God because they don't know God. But then it's up to us to show them what God is like. But what is God like? And how will we show the world? I keep thinking this over and over again. I think I've said it many times is, what was God thinking? Using us to show the world how much he loves us or who he is, right? What a terrible plan. And I don't have to point fingers at any of the historical problems the church has created. I just have to look inside at my own attitudes, my own failures, and I realize how different I am from God. But God is so good to include us, right? We fail, and God has a plan for that too. The Holy Spirit moves despite us, in spite of us, and despite our failures and our weaknesses. And I would say that she works in our weaknesses and failures. For me, this is a good reason to try to act in love so that others can understand who God is. They can see a picture of who he is. I would like people to say about me and of our community, he looks just like his father, or they look just like their father. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. If this is how the father loves us, then how do we love others? It bothers me so much that the world has become known for what it is against, and at its worst, what it hates. My desire is that the church would be known for what it is for, and that it is for love. Verse 2, my dear friends, we are already God's children, though what we will be hasn't yet been seen, but we do know that when Christ returns, we will be like him, because we will see him as he truly is. Children, don't be fooled. Anyone who does right is good, just like Christ himself. John has just told the people that they're chosen, right? They're children of God, like the Israelites. They're the chosen ones. They're his people. We love to be chosen, right? I hated dodgeball. I was never chosen first. But immediately after Jesus, or after John tells the people that they're chosen, he immediately says they don't even know what that means. I love that. This is wisdom in action here, right? People can become so proud of being chosen, just like the Pharisees did when they attacked Jesus, right? They did this in John 8. They claimed to be children of Abraham, 
And Jesus responds to the pride by saying, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. Knowing that we are chosen, but we don't have an idea of what that really means is good for us. Right? And it's good for those that we come in contact with. Because we have to act with humility if we don't fully understand. John points to a journey in this verse. We will, be, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. He points to a transformation. God's children are becoming more Christ-like. And yet, they won't be fully transformed until they see him face to face. Gazing at the one who loves us and who is love transforms us and will fully transform us. It begins to change us now as we seek after the kingdom of God. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice and these things will be given to you. And it says that we will be like him when we see him. We will be like the one who is love with skin on, the one who is the embodiment of love. So forgiveness, not vengeance, will be our response. Foot washing will be our stance. We will be like him reminds us that Jesus is our goal. And he is the gift we receive when we seek him. He becomes both the prayer and the answer to prayer. In verse 3, it says, This hope makes us keep ourselves holy just as Christ is holy. This, this hope that we will become like Christ and that we will see him is the thing that helps us to be more like him. That's not our actions. Because our actions always betray us. Romans 7.19 says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. We have not achieved this holiness yet. Only in Christ have we achieved, this and achieved any kind of holiness. And thank God, because again, we would be judgmental, condescending, if we thought we had it all together. This walk of faith is a journey, and the destination is a long way off. We catch glimpses, but we see through a glass darkly now, and someday we will see him face to face. Verse 4 says, everyone who sins breaks God's law, because sin is the same as breaking God's law. So my question is, what's, what is God's law? Mark mentioned this last week. It's loving God and loving others. And John, the same John that wrote um, the scripture that we're reading today, also wrote in John 13. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for another, one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Sin isn't an action that we are or aren't supposed to do. It's a state of separation from God, a separation from love. And Jesus gives a new commandment, love as he loved, selflessly, unconditionally. When we sin, we break God's law because we aren't loving. When we become disconnected from the source of all love, we do not allow love 
to flow through us. I think the greatest compliment I ever received was someone called me a conduit. I'm not sure that being called a pipe is a great compliment, but what they were saying was that I allowed something to flow through me. And if we do that, if we become conduits, if we love people because we're connected to the source of love, we will treat them with dignity, with respect. And we will love the one that created them. Verses 5 and 6. You know that Christ came to take away sin. He isn't sinful, and people who stay one in their hearts with him won't keep sinning. If they do keep on sinning, they don't know Christ, and they have never seen him. You can hear this at one mint here. People who stay one in their hearts. As we experience the love of God, we are changed. As we realize that there is absolutely nothing we can do to stop God's flow of love for us, we find the ability to change, the desire to grow and to transform. But it's not necessarily on our own efforts, right? Simply because of the influence of love. We see this in nature. Children who aren't loved, who don't experience safety and security, will have a failure to thrive. But those who experience the love of their parents will grow emotionally and physically. The presence of love makes a difference. It has to. And while God, who is love, is everywhere, not everyone sees it. Not everyone experiences it, hears it. That's why we are to love others. And John uses harsh language here. He says, if you keep on sinning, you don't even know Christ. This emphasizes the transforming power of Christ's love. John wonders how people can see God, can experience Christ, and still do things that separate themselves from him. And to be sure, there is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from him. But some things keep us from experiencing his presence. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we are fooling ourselves. And the truth isn't in our hearts. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive and take our sins away. If you were here, I'd say, can you give me an amen when we say we are fooling ourselves if we say we haven't sinned? There's a tension here. The author says that there is room in God's heart for forgiveness. But then he says we don't even know him if we keep on sinning. For me, this is a reminder of how we're walking contradictions, how we are both dirt and breath, which actually seems fitting to me since Jesus himself was a walking contradiction of the divine and the created. He was God and he was man. He won the war by dying. These tensions are really important for me. In fact, they're the things that I think we need to meditate on. They lead us to wisdom, even though they don't always give us the proper answers or right answers that we think, what we think are right answers. Verses 7 and 8. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil.
I like to remember that the word righteousness is the same word for justice. For whatever reason, the word righteousness has become to mean personal piety, right? And this is not the thrust of justice, although it could, could be included. Right? Justice is an outward action. It is how we respond to the world around us, to God, to people, to creation. Our actions that are based in justice are what speak about our connection to the source of all justice, the source of all love. Verse 9 and 10. God's children cannot keep on being sinful. His life-giving power lives in them and makes them his children so that they cannot keep on sinning. You can tell God's children from the devil's children because those who belong to the devil refuse to do right or to love each other. Again, John uses some harsh language. He says that those who don't love each other or act with justice, they couldn't possibly be the children of God because God is love. They must be children of the devil. This to me is more of a warning to those that follow Jesus than to those that don't know him. The call for us is to love each other, to act justly, so that people begin to recognize us as God's children. John desires his listeners to be so different from those around them, to love so radically that they couldn't possibly be seen as children of the devil. This last year has made it difficult to love others. The isolation, the stay-at-home orders, finding it hard to, to love our politicians. It makes it difficult for us to connect with our community. And so in this time, how will we be known? How will we, be, how will we love? How will we love each other? How will we love the world? Why don't you pray with me? God of love, fill us with your presence, your love. Even though we don't understand this incredible gift, help the community to be known for our love for each other. Help us to point others to you with our acts of justice. Make us humble in our chosenness, patient in our failures, and loving in all of our responses. And now, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Go in God's love.